Hi guys, welcome back to Diving Deeper. <clears throat> My name is Liz, and I'm one of the hosts of Removing the Veil podcast, and um, today I just wanted to do something a little bit different. I wanted to read through um, a chapter of the Bible and just kind of give you guys some uh, takes on it. So, okay, it's Matthew chapter 9. And I'm reading the NASB 1995. Um, Zach and I did a podcast uh, episode, I think it was in season one, where we talked about the different versions of the Bible and that this was a version that we both um, agreed was like probably one of the best versions, um, like as far as interpreting and stuff like that. So... <clears throat> Matthew 9, a paralytic healed. Getting into a boat, Jesus crossed over the sea and came to his own city. And they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, Take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. And some of the scribes said to themselves, This fellow blasphemes. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why are you thinking evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, get up, pick up your bed, and go home. And he got up and went home. But when the crowd saw this, they were awestruck and glorified God, who had given such authority to men. So one thing that I read about this that I thought was interesting was that people in those times believed that if you had some sort of sickness or disease, it was because of some sort of sin, which I'm not really sure. It's not relevant today, at least. I'm not sure how it was, you know, before Jesus died. Maybe that could have been the case, but I know at least now people are not sick because of because they have sinned specifically or because their parents have sinned. And Jesus says that, because um, they asked Jesus at some point, you know, uh, there was somebody who was sick and they said, you know, what sin did like they commit or their parents commit or something? And uh, he said, he said that they were sick so that glory could be given to God. And to me, that's saying that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't based off of what someone else did that this person is is sick or, you know, has a problem. It was based off of just God getting, you know, God showing his glory through this person by healing them. And I think that God still shows his glory through people even when they're not healed. I've seen so many documentaries or whatever. Um, I don't have any personal experience, not to, not to a level of which I'm talking about to where like you can't walk or you have leprosy or something like that. And something that's that intense, you know, we all struggle with just regular sickness or, you know, we've, some of us have to get surgery and stuff like that. But I've seen as far as like actual, like suffering, like real suffering, um, in my opinion, 
I've seen a couple people in documentaries, like I said, of people who to me seem like they're really suffering and they were so close to Jesus knowing that no, because they wanted to be healed. Of course they did. They were suffering daily, but, um, for some reason it drew them closer to God and they were able to glorify God with their lives, with their testimonies of endurance and with what they struggled and yet they kept the faith. And so that's something else I want to talk about in this chapter is about faith. So let's keep reading. Matthew called. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why is your teacher eating with the tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So to me, this is like a clear sign of like the new covenant. Him saying like that this old covenant is passing away and here is my new covenant. I desire compassion. I don't want your sacrifices. And, um, which to be honest, and I'm just going to be really honest here. I don't really care if I look stupid or not, but the, the sacrifices never really made a whole lot of sense to me, you know, unless like, you know, like things like the Passover sacrifice when they sacrifice the lamb and then put the blood over their doorposts. Like I can clearly see that that's a picture of Jesus. And like all these other sacrifices are a picture of, you know, the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus would make. And if that's what they were there for, that's fine. But like the whole, like this, you know, you have to kill it a certain way, cut it up a certain way and sprinkle the blood on certain parts. To me, that just was like, what, <laughs> what, what's the point of that? You know? And I think it's just, for me, it's just kind of hard to see what the point of sacrifices were besides just a picture of what was to come. So, um, feel free to, if you're on YouTube, feel free to leave a comment and let me know what I'm missing there. But, um, but he says, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a minute. <clears throat> the question about fasting. Then the disciples of John came to him asking, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, The attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. But no one puts a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment. And a worse tear results. Nor do people put new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wineskins burst, and the wine pours out, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into fresh wineskins, and both are preserved. I think, again, this is like him talking about the new, the new covenant, the, 
this new thing that's coming and that and it's hard to say this but that he desires love and compassion over um like over the law that they were following um because the law is important jesus said i did not come to you know abolish the law the law is something that is what we should be doing i don't mean like today like be doing it but it was all i mean pretty i mean some of it was kind of like weird if you're talking about like the what the jewish people did like they had like 600 laws or more and um some of them were a little bit picky but like really it was to help them to be healthier and cleaner and to not get sick and just to help them live um like just a good you know life i guess you know there's certain things about like hand washing and like not touching sick people and um like eating certain foods in a certain way you know not having you know i think everybody knows like they're not supposed to have pork and stuff like that well you know pork if it's not cooked you know a certain way it can have a lot of bacteria in it and so like i think a lot of these laws aren't necessarily bad but i think that they are helpful and even if you just want to look at like the 10 commandments those laws are not bad. I mean, they're, they're good. It's honoring God, honor your father and mother, you know, don't covet, don't murder. I mean, those are things I think we can agree on. But the thing is, is that what the law does is it stirs up our sinful desires within ourselves. And so the law is necessary, but at the same time, it sort of makes us see our sin for what it is. And oftentimes, at least for me, it seems like the more the law was put in front of me, the more I sinned and I didn't have a way of escape. Um, I didn't have a way to conquer the sin, if that makes sense. So let's keep reading. Miracles of healing. While he was saying these things to them, a synagogue official came and bowed down before him and said, my daughter has just died. But come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. Jesus got up and began to follow him, and so did his disciples. And a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak, for she was saying to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will get well. But Jesus, turning and seeing her, said, Daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. At once the woman was made well. When Jesus came into the official's house and saw the flute players in the crowd in noisy disorder, he said, Leave, for the girl has not died but is asleep. And they began laughing at him. But when the crowd had been sent out, he entered and took her by the hand, and the girl got up. This news spread throughout all that land. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came up to him and said, And Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, It shall be done. 
to you according to your faith. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him throughout all the land. As they were going out, a mute, demon-possessed man was brought to him. After the demon was cast out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds were amazed, and were saying, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees were saying, He cast out the demons by the ruler of demons. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them, because they were distressed and dispirited, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. So I wanted to go back up to where we are seeing people healed based off of their faith. So he was sitting there. And um, this uh, a synagogue official came and bowed down before him and said, My daughter has just died, but if you lay your hand on her, she will live. So his faith was that if Jesus would touch her, then she would live. That was his level of faith. So it says Jesus got up and his disciples and they went over there. And then later... <clears throat> He said, everybody get out. And um, he entered and he grabbed her hand and the girl got up. So this man's faith said, if Jesus can touch my daughter, she will be healed. So he left, he grabbed her hand and she returned from the dead. And then in between this story, there is a woman who'd been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years. And um, she said in her mind, she said, if I only touch his garment, I will be well. So in her mind, she, all she had to do was touch his garment and then she would be made well. And then Jesus said, take courage, your faith has made you well. And then at once she was made well. So her faith was that she had to touch a piece of his clothing. Now, what if her faith had been... I have to touch his face. Do you think that she would have been able to touch his face? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's really interesting to think about these people were healed almost based off of where their faith was. And so their faith grew, right? And I think there was one more. Oh, the blind men. <clears throat> Two blind men said, have mercy on us. And he said, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And then they said, yes. And he touched their eyes saying, it shall be done to you according to your faith. And their eyes were opened. So he asked them, they said, Jesus, please heal us. And he's like, do you believe that I can do this? And they said, yes. And in their sincere faith, they were healed. So going back to what I was saying before people who are sick now today and who aren't healed it's not because of anything that they've done and it's not because of their lack of faith 
that's not the point I'm trying to make here. The point I'm trying to make is that faith is important. And the devil, and I'm going to put faith and hope kind of in the same category just for a minute. The devil is always trying to get us to lose our faith, to lose our hope. He's always trying to, um, and you can say it's the devil or you can say it's your own sinful flesh or I don't really care how you say it, but there's something that's always trying to get us to look down, to look at the negative side of things, to, um, to just feel down about, about everything and, you know that feeling. I know that feeling. And it's not it's not good and I don't think it's of God. Because God wants us to to have all of the good feelings, you know, and people are going to think that I'm saying like, you know, your life's going to be perfect all the time. And that's not what I mean. I just mean building endurance to be able to withstand the things in this world that are harsh. If we can face these things with um, and keep our, you know, sincerity, keep our good attitudes, keep our love through the bad things, I think that's what God wants for our lives. And our faith isn't in the healings. Jesus, yes, Jesus brought his ministry when he came out and was was starting, you know, this new thing. He started it with miracles. And he did that to show people who he was. But I don't think that that means that we get to see miracles all the time. You know, I don't think that that means that we're always going to be healed every single time. I just think it means that I think he was helping people to understand faith, to understand what it means to have faith in him. Um, and he did that through his works of miracles. But now we have faith in him because of who he is and because of who he said that he is. And we have a faith that is better than, um, who is that disciple? I think it was Timothy. I could be wrong. But he he said, I'm not going to believe unless I touch him, unless I see him and touch the holes in his hands and touch his side. And Jesus came to him and said, here, touch, see. He's like, but greater are those who believe and don't see. And I feel like that's us. <laughs> I don't think a lot of us get to see. I think it just depends. You know, I've, I've heard some people saying that they've seen Jesus. Um, I'm not sure, you know, for me. And if you've heard my testimony, you know that I've, I haven't seen Jesus, but I've heard his voice like, and it's not, it's not in that deep spiritual sense, like, like living with the Holy spirit and you feel this Holy spirit talking to you. It's more, um, like I actually heard his voice, um, like it was a man's voice. Um, so to say all that, I just think that this passage is really interesting. I've always thought that it was, and I, I hope you guys enjoyed it and just let me know what you think about 
these if you like going through the Bible with me. Um, we might start doing that instead. I've been just like a tangent here real quick. I've been editing the Diving Deeper podcast, the ones where I go on my walks and I've been getting a lot out of them. It really helps me to vent where I'm at, but I don't really think that it's helping you guys. <laughs> so I just wanted to see if this was maybe more helpful. So I, um, I love you guys and I will talk to you later. Bye.